Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Bless the speaking and the hearing of your word. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There's a scene early on in the movie Anger Management that I always uh, think of. I don't know if any of you remember this movie. Anyone ever seen Anger Management with uh, Jack Nicholson and Adam Sandler? And uh, don't worry, I'm not telling, this is not a recommendation to go watch it necessarily. I'll just give you the scene. Uh, Anyway, the premise is that Adam Sandler's character is dealing with anger issues, uh, even though he appears to be a perfectly nice guy. And so he enters into this uh, therapy work with Jack Nicholson, this kind of uh, avant-garde doctor type. And so in the scene, uh, they're sitting around in a circle. Think of like an AA meeting, but for anger issues. And Jack Nicholson uh, says, all right, uh, why don't you tell us who you are? So Adam Sandler's character says, well, um, I work at uh, such and such a place and I do... And he says, no, 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 no. Don't tell me what you do for a living. Tell me who you are. So he thinks for a second. Uh, Well, I like... uh, If it were our day today, if this movie was made, he'd say, I like pickleball. Um, I like to do this. I I like hanging out with my friends. I like watching... No, 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 no. Jack Nicholson stops him again. Don't tell us what your hobbies are. Tell us who you are. Adam Sandler's character gets a little frustrated, and he's like, well, can somebody else... I I don't understand what you're trying to get me to say, so can somebody else answer the question? And he says, what, you want someone else to tell you who you are? And they all laugh, and he starts to get kind of frustrated. No, I just don't understand what it is that you're asking me. And Jack Nicholson says, just tell us who are you? So Adam Sandler's character, well, I feel like I'm a pretty easygoing guy. Um, You know, sometimes I get a little frustrated with stuff, but, you know, I like good jokes. And and he says, no, 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 no. Don't tell us your personality. Tell us who you are. And finally, unsurprisingly, Adam Sandler's character loses his cool completely, (laughs) yells at him, and then everyone kind of looks, oh, well, see, he's got anger issues. Duh, right? Now, I relate to Adam Sandler in the scene because what exactly is he looking for there? He keeps asking him, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And no answer that he gives is satisfying to him. And as I've thought about this scene, probably way more, off, more than I should be thinking about this scene, but as I've thought about it, I realize w- w- one of the things that's going on here is that he's being asked to search deeper within. Like, in other words, it's kind of like this peel back the layers of the onion. And if you just keep peeling away all of these external things about you and you just go deeper inside, deeper inside, then you will find the true you. Does this sound familiar to us at all? It does to me. Uh, We often have this idea that you're going to search for yourself, that you're going to find yourself. Like Snappy was going to go into the deeps of the ocean and find himself. Uh, Maybe a better summary of this is an old Onion headline. Uh, You guys know The Onion, of course, a satire news. And the headline is, Man Gives Up Search for Self After 37 Years. Right? So the idea is that we're going to somehow just, if we go within, we will find us. Now, I have a, a thought here, I think it's coming from God's Word, 
that might be a little controversial to us personally and also in our day and age, and that is this. Your true self is not deep within you. Your true self is not inside. Your true self is actually given by God. And when it's given to you, rather than pulling you further within yourself, it actually draws you or pulls you into relationship with others. So again, I usually don't always start my sermons with my premise right off the bat. I kind of ease you guys into it, but I'm just starting it with that. And then we're going to look at God's word and see that this is true. So your true self is not within you. It is given to you by God, and then it pulls you into relationship with others. And to see this at play, we're going to look at the scripture that Micah just read for us and some of the parts in between. You can listen along if you want, or if you like looking uh, at your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 5 and just kind of follow along. I'm using the message translation because it really struck me uh, this time on reading it. So you might notice some differences. But the first thing here, uh, the per- first person called by God here in Luke is Simon. Now, Simon, they've been working all night to catch the fish. They're cleaning their nets. They're done. It's over. Nothing's happening here. And Jesus calls over to Simon and says, let, let me use your boat to preach. They didn't have a PA system, right? So he's using the water uh, to reflect his voice to the crowd. And then when he finishes that, he says, all right, Simon, uh, let's pull out a little deeper and let your nets down for a catch, to which Simon's like, look, this isn't the time. I'm exhausted. We've already cleaned everything. Trust me, God, I know what I'm doing. I'm a fisherman, right? And Jesus said, but, but Peter says, but since you're telling me to do it, I'll do it. And he catches this, this fish. It's miraculous. It's overwhelming. Peter is beside himself. He's overwhelmed. And he says to Jesus, depart from me. And I love how the message puts this. Peter says, leave me to myself. Leave me to myself. How often is this the case for us when we are overwhelmed by situations in our lives, things that we can't explain, whether they're good or bad? Uh, mostly in the, in the struggle department, I think, in our lives. And we're just overwhelmed by the weight of life or by things that are going on in our lives that we can't handle. And we just turn into ourselves in this space. And, and Simon is doing the same thing. He's saying, God, just leave me be, leave me to myself. And that's the last thing that Simon needs. He doesn't need God to leave him to himself. His solution is not going to come there. And that same, the same truth is, is true for you and me as well. God does not leave us to ourselves. We don't find the solutions to being overwhelmed in our lives within us. Uh, certainly, we might need a little break from other people, but we do not need God to leave us to ourselves. We need God to call us and give us ourselves. And that's what Simon receives from Jesus. Jesus says, no, I will not depart from you, actually, Simon. I'm going to draw you closer to me and to the work of my kingdom. And so he says, don't be afraid. You're going to fish for people now. Now, the only reason why Jesus has to say don't be afraid is that that's something to be afraid about. (laughs) Simon knows how to fish, but what's this thing you're telling me I'm going to start doing now? I mean, whenever God calls us into the lives of other people to share his love, to just be present with them, that's a scary thing for us. And so Jesus knows this, right? And so he says, don't be afraid. I'm with you, right? I'm not going to leave you to yourself. And through you, I'm not going to leave other people to themselves either because they need my call just like you do. 
The next story, not a disciple, but still a call, is this section uh, starting at uh, verse 12, if you're following along there. There's a leper, a man with leprosy. Now, is he a leper or is he a man with leprosy? Seems like a small point, doesn't it? It's huge. He is not a leper. He is a man created in God's image who is suffering from leprosy. And Luke puts it this way for us, right? A man with leprosy. Because it is always tempting for us to identify ourselves with our suffering, to identify ourselves with our weakness or with our pain or with our illness or our ailments. I mean, you see this a lot just in your own life, but, and then kind of society is at large, we tend to do this where we just, we see ourselves as the diagnosis that we are given. And Luke, in this very subtle way, is making the point that that's not actually who this person is, right? He is not his leprosy. He is a man created by God in his image. And this man calls out to Jesus, interestingly enough, if you want to, you can heal me. Jesus wants to. And so he heals the man. Now, there's an interesting thing that goes on with these two because Simon is called seemingly against his will and told that you're going to go tell other people about me, right? This man calls out to Jesus, and then what does Jesus tell him to do? He says, quietly now, go to a priest at the temple, show him that you're clean, fulfill the rules of Moses, you can go back home, everything will be all right. What does this man do? He runs all over town and starts telling everybody all about Jesus. Now, I don't know if Jesus is working out reverse psychology with him. I'm thinking about like our four-year-old and how we try to get her to eat food. You know, don't eat, don't pick up that nugget. Don't pick up that chicken, don't look at it. And then she gets this wry smile on her face. Ooh, I'm doing something wrong. Uh, and so she goes for it. I don't know, I don't think that's what Jesus is doing. I think he actually does want the guy to just you know, receive this healing and be okay. But this shows us something about the call of Christ. We can't keep it to ourselves. It's not a matter of like, oh, you guys need to go do this now. It's like when something is so good for us, we have to, you know, shout it from the rooftops to people. And it can be any number of things in our lives. I mean, even if you don't think Jesus had a hand in it, you know that something good that is happening for you is his hand at work in your lives, and you you just tell other people about it. And this man, in receiving his true self from Jesus, is drawn to all the other people around him. Like the woman at the well in John 4, right, the Samaritan woman, she just runs right back to her village and tells everybody all about this, right? And so this man receives his true self from Jesus, and he is pulled toward others as a result. The next guy that uh, Jesus deals with is this paralyzed man, who can't get to Jesus. And so his friends, uh, Jesus is in this house and it's crowded and his friends want to get him to Jesus. They've heard about this miracle worker. And so they dig a hole through the roof. Um, You guys think just hail damage is all you need to get the insurance coverage, right? These guys are digging. (laughs) I don't know how that's, who, State Farm covered that? I don't know. Digging through the roof, right? And they drop him in front of Jesus. And what is everyone expecting Jesus to say to this man, you're healed, 
right? Just like he did with the man with leprosy or Simon's mother-in-law or whatever the scenario was, they're expecting that. Instead, Jesus looks at him and says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, this offends the leaders in Jesus' day because they think only God can do this. And it offends us today as well. You know, last week we talked about uh, the good news, right? Good news having no boundaries, that God brings the good news into our lives and this changes everything for us. But implied in good news is some bad news. Have you ever told someone, hey, I forgive you? And they say, well, for what? What did I do wrong? Right? And so when Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven, and when Jesus says to you and I, you are forgiven and restored and loved despite yourself, there's always a part of us that's a little offended by this. Well, what do you mean? What did I do wrong? And so we tend to think that whatever problems we have in our lives are kind of on the outside and that the true good version of us is deep within. And so Jesus kind of flips that completely in this section because he's pointing out that the man's root problem is not his paralysis, but sin that brings this brokenness into all of our lives. Jesus says pretty explicitly, it's not what goes into a person that makes them sinful or unclean. It's what comes out of the heart. And so Jesus is saying, if you look within yourself, what you will find there is a sinful, broken person in need of God's healing. And so he gives the man his his true self, right? He says, I forgive you your sins and get up and walk. Because when Jesus says he wants to restore you and I to our true selves, he means all of us, holistically, completely, he is restoring us. And at the resurrection at the last day, that's what we will be. We'll be who we actually were meant to be from the beginning. I heard someone talk about this with their deceased parents. And they were kind of talking about the the struggle of, you know, what's it like? And why can't I talk to them? And where are they now? And somebody else in their life mentioned, you know, they're probably they're probably seeing each other for the first time. Like, there you are, right? There you really are in front of me. Because Jesus gives us our true self, and he does so with the paralyzed man as well. The next story is Levi. And what is Levi? If you're giving Adam Sandler's first answer to the question, he's a tax collector. Right? And a tax, I feel like we've probably made this point very clearly. At least I feel like I've talked about it a lot, so maybe it'll be fresh to you. But tax collectors are hated people in Jesus' day. Um, you're basically a local person that's working for the occupying force, the Romans. So you'd be a Jewish person because you know people, and the Romans want to extract taxes from others. So you have a, an amount you're supposed to collect, and then anything else you get on top of it is yours. So they were usually, is that a really good setup for honesty and transparency in business? Not really. (laughs) Okay. So the Romans see you as a turncoat against your own people, but useful to them. And you're, who might have been friends and neighbors and family, probably hate your guts. So Levi, if the the leper's uh, uh, temptation is just to see himself as his illness, Levi's temptation, or at least what he's being told by everybody else around him, is that you are simply an evil man and that's all that you are. And Levi, I think, is why you and I react against people telling us who we are, 
Have you ever done that? I mean, especially through your teenage years, you did, for sure, right? If anyone's telling you, hey, you know what? You're this kind of person. You don't know me, right? That's not who I am. And, and the closer someone is to hitting at the truth about you that you don't like, the more reactive you are about it. You don't like other people telling you who you are. But Levi has another good reason for not wanting to hear this, and that's because it's not the, the total truth about him, Right? We are no more our sin and suffering than we are our failings. That's not you as God created you and as Jesus Christ redeemed you. And so Levi is not just the evil guy in the story. He is an ill person who needs a doctor. That's what Jesus is saying, right? They're not looking deep enough to Levi's problem. It's not just that he's made some bad choices in his life. It's that he's sick. And he needs healing. And this is what's true about each one of us. And that's why Jesus says he didn't come to call the healthy but the sick, right? Not the righteous but the unrighteous to repentance. And Levi, amazingly, is called, right? His value is given to him by Jesus Christ. There's no difference between him and Simon and the fisherman, right? All of this, you know, you look at the final list of the, of the disciples together and it's like, these are the bad news bears, right? Called by Jesus. And nothing could bring these people together except for Jesus. I mean, just think about whatever points of division you have with other people in your life about how things should go, politics, whatever it is. Only Jesus can actually bring that unity together. And he does it with the disciples right away in dramatic fashion. All right, so that's the last person we're going to look at their identity, right? No, we're going to look at Jesus too. So if you look at the, the next section after uh, he gets told that he shouldn't be hanging out with these people, with these sinners and tax collectors, or the scum of the earth, as one translation I read put it, then the Pharisees come to him. They come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, This is verse 33, if you're following along. John's disciples are well known for keeping fasts and saying prayers. So, in other words, they're good at doing religious duties, right? They can fast, they can abstain from things in their lives, they can pray to the Lord, they can be focused on their religious activity. And then this is what I love the next part. But you seem to spend most of your time at parties. Why is that? Now, this is fascinating to me because what they're saying is, we know who you are, Jesus. You're a party animal, and you spend all your time with the wrong kinds of people. Now, Jesus has every opportunity to correct them here, doesn't he? He does it elsewhere. People say, hey, are you John the Baptist back from the dead, or are you Elijah? And he says, no, it's not me. They say, hey, you're casting out demons by the power of Satan. You must be in league with him. Jesus says, no, a house divided against itself cannot stand. You're wrong. That's not who I am. In this section, they say, Jesus, you seem to be a party animal and you spend a lot of time with the wrong type of people. And what does Jesus say? You're right. You've got me pegged. Because when the groom is present, the wedding feast is going to happen. When I am here, I am here to celebrate. Because a party draws people in to God's kingdom. Those other things are fine. You can fast, you can pray. Those are good disciplines. It's fine for yourself. But the party just draws more people in, right? 
God's kingdom is a wedding feast, we hear again and again from Jesus. And so when they say, we know who you are, you're the party animal with the wrong people, Jesus says, you're absolutely right. That's me. Jesus does this for you. He accepts this description because he is all about you. He'll take it from them. Because his true self, Jesus' true self from within is self-giving. And he gives himself for you and for me. So the call of Christ makes us who we were meant to be. And it happens not only in this section of Luke, but all throughout Scripture. Who is Abraham? We wouldn't even know. Except God calls him in his old age and says, you will have a son, and through that offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Who is Moses? Well, Moses, if he kind of is navel-gazing in his life throughout stages of his life, could probably answer that question in a few different ways. I'm an adoptee. You know, remember when he was floated down the river in a ba- baby in a basket, right, going down the river? He's, he's adopted. I could say, well, I'm a prince of Egypt. But at another stage, I'm a murderer, and I have to flee. And at another stage, I'm just out in the wilderness as a shepherd and not really sure who... Do you think Moses had identity crises in his life? I think so. And they didn't just happen at midlife, right? But who is he really? God comes to him in a bush that does not burn up. And he says, Moses, I am sending you. And through you, I will free my people. That's who Moses is. Moses is the one sent by God to free his people from slavery. Who's Paul? Paul is an interesting one because he's not having an identity crisis when Jesus calls him. He is absolutely confident that he's in the right spot. You hear this in one of the letters he writes. He says, I am uh, from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised on the eighth day, which means my family did it right. Okay? I was raised following the law, the Torah, and I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I do everything the way I'm supposed to. Does that sound like a guy who's struggling with his identity? No. And the same is true for us. I mean, there are times where we think, man, I am in my groove. Right? I know exactly where I'm supposed to be. And it turns out Paul was wrong. Even in the midst of our confidence that we have ourselves figured out, we might discover that God's call shows us something completely different. Because Jesus comes to Paul and he says, that's not who you are. You're my chosen instrument to reach out to the Gentiles. You who have spent your entire life separating yourselves out from those unclean and and horrendous people out there. You're the one that I'm going to send to them. That's who you are. That's how, I mean, you and I are here this morning because each one of these people was called by Christ and given their true self in him. And it drew them outside of themselves into relationship and calling to others. That's why you and I are even sitting here this morning. And not just the people that we see in Scripture, but people in our lives that God called, gave a true self to them, and it drew them into love and sharing of his good news with us. It's what he is doing in our midst as St. Michael's, as individuals in our communities. Christ calls us and calls us who we were actually meant to be, and it draws us into the lives of others. 
So God's word to you and me this morning, and I think particularly to me, give up the search for yourself and hear the call of Jesus. Your true self comes from him. He calls you forgiven. He calls you beloved. And he calls you beyond yourself. As we close here, I want to give just a a minute of quiet before we say the creed together. In prayer and in meditation, as you think about the people in your life that God is calling you toward. And then we'll pray, and then we'll stand and say the Lord's Prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your call to us by your word and spirit in the waters of baptism through your saints. We belong to you. We find our true selves in you. And we hear your call uh, in our relationships around us, Lord, uh, to love and serve those that you have placed in our lives, that they might hear your call and come to faith as well. We pray this in your name. Amen.